What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Car Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm your host, Scott Benjamin. I'm Ben Bullen. And I am Kurt Guerin. <laughs> well, it's all three of us again. Yeah. We're all here again. 100% attendance, that's always good, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I guess we could forge on with maybe uh, maybe two people, but um, uh-huh. better if we have all three. Well, of, of, of the three of us, I am probably the sketchiest, and so <laughs> there may be times when I dip away. But the three of us are here together doing sort of a what people in broadcast or entertainment would call destination stuff, right? We're here at a specific time to do a specific thing, and for us, it's live, right? We can't pull this moment up again on YouTube or anything. Like oh, that. absolutely, yeah, for us. But uh, oh, maybe maybe through the magic of editing, do you think we could uh, we could fix a few things? Because you know, I have a foul mouth. That's that's. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's Kurt Garrett right there, folks. <laughs> no, no, I really don't. I'm just kidding, Ben. That's you that has a foul I mouth. I am, but, pro- yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, really. To, to be serious, though, like, we we, yeah. we come in here and we've got. Sometimes we have a, a topic that we've, uh, you know, we've got facts and figures and stats nailed down for, and, you know, it's very concrete. It's something we can go right to and say, you know, it's this event, it's happening on this day, and here's the history of it, and, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This one's just a little bit more um, nebulous, I guess, and that we can kind of take this a few different ways if you'd like. And uh, it's more of a question that I had about, I guess, in a way, th- uh, the absence of something that uh, I miss from the past. A little bit. And okay. I wonder if it's coming back or if it's still out there, but I'm just missing out. Maybe that's the other part of this whole thing, as, as Kurt has shown me a little bit over the last week that I might be just missing out on a few things. But my question to you initially was about daredevils and, and stuntmen. And I know there's stunt women, too, but we're just going to say stuntmen. Yeah, stunt this, folk. For, yeah, stunt folk, I guess, for this <laughs> No, I'm not going to say stunt folk. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you get the idea, right? Yeah. You know, people that jump motorcycles, people that jump cars, people that perform incredible acts of uh, you know physical daring. You know, they they risk their lives in order to entertain us, and that's that was my question: is that 
Is this still out there in the, uh, I guess, with the intensity that there was at some point during, you know, the mid-1970s, 1980s, even the late 1960s, I guess? Think about the, boy, I want to say, I want to use the word uh, flamboyant, but that's not right. I mean, the... Um, death-defined? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, death-defined one, sure. Outlandish is a good one. I mean, like... Um, Obnoxious. Very... <laughs> Lar- larger than life. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You guys are battering me. I can't think of my word now, but yes, yes. You, you got all of those right and and more. Uh, kind of the the pageantry, I guess, that was evil Knievel. You know, oh, think right. think about him. Okay, he would come mm. out of his trailer, you know, in front of the audience. He would emerge from his trailer with his cape on. He had his white leathers on that were red, white, and blue. He would be carrying his helmet under his arm. He had a cane in his hand. You know, with uh, with gold. It had a, he had a gold cane that had it was black mostly, but it had gold accents and, mm-hmm. and diamonds on it. He was a showman, a, a true showman, mm-hmm. and he would talk it up to the audience. I mean, he was he was as good as any uh, professional wrestler these days, you know, in the ring when they do their speech ahead of time, you know, their you know their story. Uh, he was just as good as any of those guys were about talking himself up, about promoting himself, and and you know how dangerous this is going to be. You know, like you might witness my grisly death this afternoon, but uh, I want you to know this: I've I've come through with every promise that I've ever made for you people, and I do it for you. And I do it for me, you know, that kind of thing. And if if you are a member of the audience in the actual arena or what have you, and if you're watching live at home on television, right, which yeah. they did pretty often, then there's this moment in that speech where you think, I might be one of the last people to hear this guy talk. Yeah, while evil went alive. down a lot. Yeah. Like he oh, crashed yeah. a lot. So there was always that, you know. That chance. Oh, sure. And some people watch just for that, right? Like like some people watch NASCAR for that, right? They want to see the yeah. crash. They want to see the big one, right? So there's there's that element. But I think that like the pageantry, the uh, um, the audacity of this character, you know, just like how he would come out and just, just right in your face tell you what he thought of you. He was, he was kind of a straight shooter as well. Um, things weren't going right. He would he would let you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and not just evil Knievel. There were other people too that were like that in the in the past. There was a guy um, that went by the name of uh, the Human Fly that we'll talk about in a little while. He was a little bit like that. He had some of the costume characteristics or traits down that you know were made him intriguing in some way. Was he the guy who climbed? No, no, no. no this is a different guy. Okay. This is a, this is a stunt man, but okay. yeah. Uh, Many people went by the name of the human fly. I'm thinking of one in particular. He's a Canadian stuntman. Okay. That we'll, that we'll discuss. I, I don't but want to spoil it. No, yeah. but uh, but I guess overall, I'm just thinking of like, where are the where are the showmen of today? I mean, I know that I, I do know that there are stuntmen out there. I know that there are people performing, and women, stunt women, that are performing a lot of death-defying stunts, a lot of stunts that do require a great deal of skill, um, you know, a great deal of um, of courage, of course. Mm-hmm. But where's the where's the the buildup, the excitement of all that along with it? You know, where where is that gone? And we've got a few theories that we've kind of just oh, yeah. real tentatively talked about in the hallway here at work. But, but I think today, if we could just kind of talk this through, maybe I'd feel a little bit better about it because, as we said in an earlier episode, sometimes things happen that are monumental in our I guess I'll call it our industry. You know, we we uh, like anything automotive, you know, motorcycle, whatever, trucks. Trains, airplanes, all that stuff. We love all that stuff. Boats. But sometimes there are things that happen, you know, that world records are broken, and we don't hear about them for a long time until a listener writes in and says, hey, did you happen to catch this? You can see it on YouTube now. It turns out it was on television, but it was on, like, you know, some late night Fox Sports News or something, or it was on... uh, ESPN 27. Yeah, something like that. It's just, there's... 
there's a lot happening out there still, I know, but you have to you have to really search for it. You have to find it. Yeah, what happened to the days of nationally or in some cases globally televised things where there would be someone saying, you know, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, for one time and one time only, Kurt Darren Garen will, you know, perform the death-defying triple axis jump while sword fighting an alligator who's also on the motorcycle <laughs> over school buses that are set on fire. And now a word from Garen. Right? Like, it was, <laughs> yeah. what happened to that? That's now, exciting. And everybody listening, we're all kind of like, oh, there's a motorcycle, there's an alligator? What? Okay, I got, oh, yeah. I yeah. got 10 minutes. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be part of the problem, right? I mean, right. it might that might be some of it. You know, you can't wait for that type of stuff. But I feel like you're right, Ben, that there's not one place. This is one theory. And uh, and I know this is a little tough to grasp everything that I'm trying to to get here. And I don't know if I'm really conveying it as, as concisely as I really want no, to. I get but, it. I get it. But doesn't it feel like there's not one place to go to see something like this happen? I mean, it, it was ABC Sports. They had the uh, um, wide world of sports where Evil Knievel appeared what, like 17 times, I think, on on that show. And uh, some of his jumps and some of his specials that he had on that program are still, like, ranked number one in all-time viewership for that particular brand. So they were on air from, like, 19... I want to say it's 1961 until uh, I was, like, 1998 or something. It was, like, 30-some years, like, yeah. 37 years, 38 years. And some of his stunts are still, like, top five, top... You know, I shouldn't say still. At the end... They were, you know, like top five contenders for the most watched of the of all the programs that they did over that thirty seven years. So widely popular. And I know I keep saying Evil Knievel. There are many others that will we can you know touch on today and discuss because yeah. there are people doing some fascinating and and really dangerous things and and fun things to watch if you're there if you're you know in the crowd. But it's kind of few and far between now. It seems like, um, you know, you have to you have to go to the event to see it happen. You have yeah. to, or or you have to catch it on YouTube a month later or mm-hmm. a week later or whatever it is. Um, you have to either, you know, catch wind of it early, maybe through a club or a group that says, hey, this jump is going to be happening at this right, race. Right, Come and check it out. You know, and there are 10,000 people in attendance or 20,000 or whatever, but... If you're not among those people, you know, they're the ones who post it then and everybody else sees it. And sometimes it's like an exhibition or an opening act, you know, before a race. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that maybe um, one of the one of the ones that I I can think of in recent past, there was before the 100th Indianapolis 500, they did a jump with a uh, a, all terrain truck. It was a four wheel drive truck Uh and it was made to look like a Hot Wheels ramp. (laughs) It was uh, it was a Hot Wheels anniversary jump for the 500, you know, before the race. And they had this, it was like a 10-story orange track set up, so it looked like a Hot Wheels truck on a Hot Wheels track. And this guy did this incredibly long jump. I have the information here somewhere. I think it was, uh, I want to say Tanner Faust, but that might not be the right name. As we get to it, I'll tell you. Did some incredible long jump right in front of a live audience. That's a huge audience. That's hundreds of thousands of people, maybe half a million up to half a million for that race in particular. Uh, so that's a huge live event, and it was also televised, and a lot of people watched that. So there's a chance that a lot of people saw that one event. But, yeah. you know, who who here knows uh, in, you know, in this room even that just a few months ago there was going to be the world record distance jump for a motorcycle? I was not aware of this. Yeah, it never happened. Yeah, didn't happen. The rider was injured the day that it was, or the day before. I think that it was supposed to happen. He was in a practice jump, uh, injured both of his ankles, and it never happened. But uh, it was going to be a live event called Evil. I think it was Evil Live Two or Live Evil Two. 
e- evil spelled like uh, evil, evil, Knievel. Knievel. yeah. And there was also a female writer that was going to do, uh, and I think she did ride through several uh, burning walls. There was she's going to break a world record for how many she went through, and I believe she did, in fact, do that. But the long distance jump never occurred, and it might happen this year. You never know if he recovers well enough. But I think his name was Axel Hodges, I believe. But I never heard about the promotion the lead up to it. So if I did want to watch it, I would have had to have been going to very specific places to find that information or on Facebook, on the right Facebook pages to find that information. So do you think it's an issue of the audience, the larger audience losing interest? Or do you think it's an issue of the way that people find or transmit this information because this when we talked about this one of the things i started digging into was stuff like the x games and the x games have tons of crazy stunt riders you know crazy very talented yeah very precise very talented um bikers and people who are riding who are doing you know not one-trick ponies. They're doing multiple stunts, multiple sure. vehicles and stuff. And they're around, and they are as uh, accomplished, technically, as many of the greats of yesteryear. And it seems like they have a great crowd at the X Games. But, again, to your point, it's not something you hear about on the radio. It's not something that you often... Oddly enough, even if you go to a lot of car news sites... You don't really hear a lot about this mm-hmm. stuff. So I, I wonder what happened, you know? Even when we were talking about the Thrust SSC back a few months ago, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jessie Combs, I think was her name, and yeah. she was attempting the fastest land speed record for a woman. I mean, I did not hear anything about that. Yeah, you didn't uh, hear about anything until, until after the crash. Right. You know, things like that that happen, you don't hear about it for whatever reason. Do you think, okay, so you said all the, the reasons you said that, you know, the audience is fragmented. That's one, right? You sure. have to be going to specific sites in order to be be notified that anything is happening to begin with. Yeah. Um, it's not like everybody's going to ABC now to watch the wide world of sports on, you know, whenever it was airing. I can't remember. I remember. I do remember watching it, but I don't remember what day it aired or it was a Sunday or it was a weekend, I think. Sure. But do you think that, okay, a lot of things have taken the place. So, like, there's pay-per-view events, which are popular, and a lot of people have used pay-per-view to see things like that. Like, I think that, uh, God, I keep going back to Evil Knievel, but I think that his um, Snake River Canyon jump was a pay-per-view event. Pay-per-view goes back to the 1950s, believe it or not. Oh. I didn't know that until uh, just today when I looked it yeah. up. I thought, pay-per-view? You know, there were, there were like, maybe 30,000 people that, that witnessed, you know, that canyon jump or that attempted canyon jump of his uh, and they all saw it live, but, you know, and they, of course, filmed it. But anybody else that wanted to see that, they would have to watch either a week later on, again, Wild World of Sports, where they rebroadcast that whole thing. Right. Or go to, uh, you know, like, a, again, a pay-per-view situation where, you know, they're paying, you know, at the time, we're talking like maybe $2 to rent the pay-per-view or something. It's not like, you know, the, the fights now where it's, you know, $80, $100 to watch a fight. Yeah. But there's all of that. And then also, again, this kind of goes back again to the performers themselves, the people themselves. It's not that there's not interesting characters out there because there are plenty of people, as, as Ben said, that are wildly talented sure. and, and they yeah. do a lot of things, you know, like the, there's somebody that could, you know, be equally talented in a rally car. Um, and a BMX bike. They do stunts on, you know, whatever. I mean, they're just, they're adrenaline junkies. They love this stuff, right? Yeah. 
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. How much of this comes back to there's not like those those kind of standout, bigger-than-life characters like Evil Knievel was? I mean, he was I mean, just an absolute showman. I mean, he made appearances on late-night talk shows. He was kind of making the circuit, you know, the... Um, um, promoting himself, he was going. Um, he's seen in public doing a lot of things, you know, well, good and bad, right? Yeah. Um, but he made a name for himself, and he and he's a big self promoter. He was someone who, you know, was never shy about talking about himself. I'll put it that way, Muhammad um, Ali style. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kurt and I had a funny conversation earlier. I'll, I'll say something in just a minute about that. But and someone, in fact, someone said, you know, he wasn't one to, you know, come up with like poetry like Muhammad Ali would on the on the spot. Sure. He was really good at the PR game, right? Muhammad right. Ali was amazing, very much so, and and really talented, of course, as well. You know, he had he could back it up. Evil could back it up with what he would do, his stunts and everything. You know, he always he always delivered on what he promised, and he would say something that was meaningful and it had a lot of gravity, whatever he said to mm-hmm. it. And he would promise things to the fans for the near future, and he was always leading them to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that was mm-hmm. part of his game, is that you know. I've given this to you, and I, I told you I'd do this, and I did this. You know, he might have even known that his bike wasn't going to make the jump, but he'd do it. So <laughs> this, yeah. Oh, um, one, one yeah, quick yeah, yeah, yeah. But he would say, September, you're going to see something bigger than ever. I bought my own property on the Snake River. I own a piece of that canyon. They're not going to stop me. So it's kind of about against the, instead of about against another boxer or driver, it's about against physics it's about against nature yeah and he always was playing you know he he was just he's big into saying what's what's the next thing and that's with that's the thing with these these guys that do these stunts and and women that do these stunts is that it always always has to be bigger 
better, faster, longer, you know, all that. It's sure. Otherwise, why am I watching? I see what you're saying. Yeah, it has to have that exponential growth. Yeah. I would also, and this, this is a point that I'm not completely sure on, I, I would also say the nicknames were cooler. People still do have that showmanship, but there are people like Lawrence DeSmet, who was named Indian Larry, yeah. Not in a racist way, it's because he was known for riding around on a chopped Indian motorcycle. Oh, yeah, Indian Larry. I did watch some uh, some clips of Indian Larry. Yeah, mm-hmm. He was a bike builder, right? Yeah, and he became known for his stunts, but it wasn't until later in his life. He actually passed away in a motorcycle crash during 2004. Yeah, at a bike build-off. Yeah. Uh, he was just like, as far as I know, I mean, I think this is the story, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Isn't, wasn't he kind of doing some impromptu stunts in the parking lot? I believe so. Yeah, and uh, took a topple and ended up with a concussion that was uh, turned fatal. And, and Or what about people like Doug DeMocos, the Wheelie King? Did you ever I, hear this guy? I don't know about that guy. Uh, he was super famous in the 80s and 90s. He went up uh, Lombard Street in San Francisco. I think you're right. Oh, yeah. I, he, oh you know what? I think that's him. What is was his it, name again? The Wheelie King. Okay. Doug DeMocos. Was he, this on? Yes. He yeah, set yeah. the record for the longest continuous wheelie, 145 miles. It's a very different stunt. Was this on <laughs> That's Incredible? A um, television show? I'm sure he had to be Our, on one at some I, point. I, had, I mean, if, if that's the one I remember watching that one on That's Incredible, I don't know the guy's name, but I remember a long, long time ago. It was one of my favorite shows. But yeah, there's a ton of people that do stuff like this, and... Um, one per, you know, I, I just I want guess, to throw some a few more names out though while you're, we're gearing up for this next. Sure, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't have to talk about their history, but Fearless Frank, Hurricane Hutch, and then of course, uh, Evil Son Robbie Knievel. Robbie Knievel. He goes by Captain with a K. Yeah, Captain yeah, yeah, Robbie yeah. Knievel. Yeah, he's he's out there doing. It. I don't know if he's still jumping or not. I'm not sure. I saw an early clip, by the way, of uh, boy, we're stuck on the Knievel family because I got, I've got something more to say about this. I watched a. Uh, this is well worth your time. I, as you know, we've we've done a show on Evil Knievel only on car stuff. We did that a long time ago, and there was footage on this program that I had never seen before about Evil Knievel. After we had dug into this for you know two weeks before, and I I never saw any of these clips. It, if you want to look it up on YouTube, it's worth forty two minutes of your time to watch it. I guarantee it. It's called Evil Knievel, Wide World of Sports Classic, and it's forty two minutes long. I, I, there, again, footage that I've never seen. There's audio that I've never heard before. Some inside stories of people that were there that, you know, were right around him that, uh, you know, I had never heard from before in the past. It was it was a really well done short documentary and uh, and, and eye-opening footage. I mean, it really was really cool. Uh, some different perspectives of the ramp, you know, from, you know, where he saw it from. Sure. Uh, fantastic stuff. It was really, really cool. But there's some amazing... Stuntmen and stunt, stunt people out there right now, as as Kurt pointed out, um, what was it, Robbie Madison? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. did that Las Vegas jump that probably not a lot of people have watched. It's got a lot of YouTube views, but I mean, in the bigger picture, not a lot of people have watched this really. Mm-hmm. So Robbie Madison did an, an incredible jump. Yeah, he uh, jumped up onto the Arc de Triomphe in Las wow. Vegas, and then um, a flat top building, right. essentially. So it's very high. I don't know exactly yeah. how high it is. Yeah. And then feet. also back down yeah, as well. That, okay. And he landed it? He landed it. I wow. mean, it, look, he barely hung on. But I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, Ben, until you see it, you don't, yeah. you don't quite grasp what this guy did, really. I mean, it's, he's jumping onto, on top of a flat 
on top of a flat building that's 10 stories tall. Yeah. It's 100 feet up, 112 feet, I think. Well, especially when they show the view after he lands, you know, they show him up there riding around a little bit. Because, yeah. of course, they have to, like, ride around, I'll which check, I can imagine would be even yeah. like, more scary. Yeah. I ch- I'll, I'll check that out. I know uh, he's Australian. I know that he's done, like, he, he's legit. His day job is a, as a stunt double. He, mm-hmm. he was Daniel Craig's stunt double in uh, some James Bond films. Oh, wow. Okay. And he also, he won a gold medal in the X game. Uh, he did 13 backflips. This guy's crazy on a bike. And he also recreated <laughs> some famous stunts. Mm-hmm. Like he followed in Evil Can Evil steps. So they're out there. Hang on a second. I gotta, yeah. I gotta stop. I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I got to stop. It couldn't have been 13 backflips in a row, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> like falling from space. <laughs> yeah, I think they do maybe three in a row. Maybe yeah. three, but not thirteen, 13 in a row. Maybe thirteen total over the competition. But, I, but I, the, I just, I, I, my source doesn't say whether these were consecutive. <laughs> my I source, guess my source, which is, uh, I guess that's less <laughs> impressive if you say over the span of your life you've done thirteen backflips. I guess so, but but I, but no, he's to 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 be a stunt double in a James Bond film. I would say you have to have uh, you have some pretty good chops, right? Yeah. Um, now I do know that he. I think I believe he's the current record holder. Now this is where it gets tough again. You don't go to one source like you used to. You don't go to the Guinness right. Book of World Records. So I, as far as I've got it figured right now, three hundred seventy-eight feet nine inches by Robbie Madison is the longest ramp to ramp jump at this point. And I believe that that was the the record that Axel Hodges was trying to break. He was going for like four hundred feet or something, uh, or over 400 feet when he had his accident where he broke his uh, or injured both of his ankles. And you can watch the video, the film of him injuring both of his ankles, which is, uh, it's not it's not that hard to watch. I mean, it, bend, it bends his foot yeah. you know, in a bad way, I guess, when he lands. But it's an impressive jump, I'll tell you that. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. 
So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When Robbie Madison broke that record, that distance record of 378.9, um, back in 2011, again, this is a long time ago now, it's 2011, there was another guy that did the jump simultaneously with him on a snowmobile. And the snowmobile went significantly farther than Robbie did on his bike, which I thought was really fascinating. The snowmobile, get this, is, is driven by a guy named uh, Levi, and I'll, I hope I get his last name right. It's Laval or Lavalley. He jumped a snowmobile, a world record distance of 412 feet. So, you know, they're side by side. He continues to sail for an additional, what, is that 30 some odd feet? Farther than, than Robbie did, but they did it side by side at this event in San Diego, this uh, Red Bull No Limits event that they have every year now, which is really a cool thing to watch. It's where they go for a lot of world records. But Red Bull is is a primary sponsor of these world record attempts, and, and they've done things like, oh, you know, here's one that we can all maybe think of, uh, a stunt person, not necessarily motorized, but uh, you remember the guy that jumped from the stratosphere? Uh, yes, Felix, yes. Oh, yeah. Felix Baumgartner. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched that recently as well, and that was a Red Bull sponsored thing. You know, I think Red that's Bull how we watched it. live. That was. I remember watching that live. Yes. At work. Now, see that that is the type of promotion without he he wasn't quite the the uh, the showman the character as would be you know like again evil can evil or you know right. somebody like the human fly maybe he wasn't he wasn't on camera talking trash in front of it no uh, no he wasn't in front of the event but yeah. it got the publicity that some of the jumps in the past had received so that's that to me that was one that was similar where where you know that was what people were talking about in the news in the morning you know when you go mm-hmm. and head into work you hear that that you know this either happened or is going to happen i don't remember um and people would you know check it out online they go to redbull.com or wherever yeah, and, and check out that uh, that jump. Well, yeah, the live stream of that was there was a lot of build up and a lot of um, hype before and after that, oh. and it was worthy. I mean, yeah, it was like Red Bull cra- super incredible. Into it. Absolutely, yeah. they have the the cave, uh, not cave diving, not the um, cave jumping. I guess it's called. Mm-hmm. You know, when people dress up like flying squirrels. Yeah, and they, they they glide. Oh, the wingsuits, wingsuits. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, love I tried to. Wingsuits. I tried for years to get our job to put it in the budget for me to get one. But it turns out they're a little bit expensive and accounting was not satisfied with my explanations. Man. I'd love to hear I would love to have heard those explanations. You know who another another big one uh, yeah. right now and just just a few more names to sure. there because there yeah. and and I know we're going to be missing many that people are going to be upset we don't mention. We but, should still talk um, about the human fly at some there's point. A, oh definitely. But uh Travis Pastrana. We got to talk yes. about Travis yeah, Pastrana. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, this guy he broke you know he broke he did. He well, I should say he recreated. He didn't. Uh, he didn't necessarily break any records that day. But he he recreated three of Evil Knievel's most famous stunts all in one day. He did it all in three hours, which is really really impressive. Wow. I mean, that's a that's a physical feat that's really difficult. You to, gotta uh, also wonder uh, how much of a role technology plays. Mm-hmm. In yes, this, you know what I mean. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, Evil Knievel had that Harley. It was basically <laughs> a dirt racing bike or like a dirt oval bike i and think it wasn't a dirt thing, bike his big thing was that it was factory too right yeah, yeah that it wasn't yeah. customized oh yeah this is it a, it's a heavy big bike it's i mean a, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how many pounds i mean i know the one that uh was it robbie madison he the one that he jumped in vegas 
think they said that bike was like 550 pounds, so you know mm-hmm. that that Harley's going to weigh way more than that, mm-hmm, you'd think sure. it would anyway. At least, and it's not, probably not distributed correctly, you know. Those, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you're right. It's just, it was just whatever he could buy from the factory, and then he had it tuned as he wanted, of mm-hmm. course. Um, there were several of those jumps that he made where you would see him switch bikes. He'd bring, you know, five or six bikes with different gearing. Yeah. Uh, to each to the track, and that way he would some he would sometimes you know make those practice runs where he stop at the end of the ramp, mm-hmm. back it up, and he would switch bikes. And you know, is some of that show maybe you know like yeah, it could be. I don't know. I mean, that's again, that's part of this whole thing. Like it's, well, I'm sure equipment wouldn't hold would break all the time on those practice jumps. Yeah, know, frames would crack and oh, that sure. sort of thing. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the backups. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I, I know we're running a little bit tight on time, and hopefully some people can, uh, you know, write in with some other suggestions, you know, or check out our Facebook or whatever and say some memories of the past or, or you know, present that are kind of equal to what we're talking about right now or maybe some, uh, you know, voice some concerns or some gripes or whatever. I don't care. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just interested in, in stunt riders and, and stunt jumps and things like that right now, but... Um, Last one I want to mention is Ken Block. I, mean, I think everybody kind of watches for the new Ken Block, Jim Kana uh-huh. video, or at least yeah, he did yeah, it yeah, early yeah. on. Now I don't know what they're up to, 14, 15, it seems. Uh, but when Ken Block was doing his Jim Kana series, um, he wasn't necessarily breaking world records. And if he was, I didn't know about it, but uh, it was just fun to watch. It was a lot of stunts that were, you know, some were death defying, of course, you know, the speeds he's traveling and the heights he's achieving and, you know, what he's doing. Um, but mostly it's just tire smoking fun. That was what it was all about. And uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, as far as stunt driving, uh, they associate that with Ken Block at this point, I think. Yeah. And uh, and before we leave here, we definitely need to talk about the human fly. What a weird thing, right? Yes. Okay. Very weird. All right. So long story short, the human fly was a phenomenon during the heyday of motorcycle stunts back in the 70s, right, early 80s. So obviously Evil Knievel is the is the king of this stuff. But people who followed this kind of stuff also followed the story of someone named the Human Fly. The Human Fly was only ever seen in public in a rind-studded red and silver masked jumpsuit. And he had a little cape sometimes. Yeah. And uh, his real identity was a secret and also the stories that he and his team told about what he did versus what he actually did seemed let's say um embellished to to uh, accelerate attention and fame like there were claims that he had 60 percent of his skeleton <laughs> replaced with steel <laughs> wait wait just 60 percent? just 60 why Be- didn't he just go the full 100 at that point because he only did it when he had the i don't know Oh, when, I the, think they just picked an interesting oh, number. With each accident, he would replace that bone yes. with, uh, with a, a better component. Until one day he is more machine than man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a lot of his stunts involved him being on the outside of a jet plane, like strapped on the outside of this. Okay, okay. Hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So this is the part where it gets really interesting to me. Now, there are a lot of human flies that we've probably heard of that, that scale buildings, things like sure, that, right? They, yeah. The suction cups, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They climb the Eiffel Tower. This is not the human fly we're talking about. We're talking no. about the guy that he, he would go on the outside of jets. Yes. Jet yeah. airplanes. Not not biplanes at, at an air show. Jets. Yeah. Yeah. And uh he would he would get strapped to them. He had a ton of accidents, obviously. Uh and he was always trying to beat evil Knievel. You know what I mean? Oh, he was also a jumper. 
He also did some jumps. They wanted to try to beat his different records, like the 13 school buses. Oh. He wanted to, he originally wanted to try it with 36, but his team talked him down. Okay, I know. Uh, because that's an impossible number. Okay, I think I, I think I remember this now. I, I, you know, while you're talking, I was frantically looking for my notes, and now I'm just going to have to wing it because I can't find them. But um, I think that he had a jet-powered motorcycle. Is that right? Yes. And that's why he decided to go for, for 36. Now, Knievel was having trouble with, you know, 13, 14. You know, he was in that range, and he was the king of this, right? 13 or 14 was about maximum at that time. This guy's going for three times that amount. Yeah, so he did it with the help of a guy named Kai the Rocket Man Michelson, who added two rockets to this Harley. <laughs> and according to Michelson, it had over 6,000 horsepower when it was done. <laughs> okay, wait a See, wait. And so then, okay, uh, so and the human fly, for the record, only said he was going to jump 27 buses. Okay, so... Not, Okay, so I'm I'm sorry I could I'm having a hard time containing myself over here because, okay, here's a guy with a uh, a sixty percent steel skeleton yes. on a six thousand horsepower motorcycle yes. trying to fly over thirty six buses with a cape with a cape on. and a secret identity and a mask because you can't let anybody know who he is. Now he's a Canadian stuntman, right? He did make appearances I know on uh, talk shows and he would appear. He looked he had um you know like one of those um oh what is it the the Mexican wrestling masks luchador sign. yeah what's it called. Uh, luchador mask. Exactly. He I had think. one of those on. It was red that matched his outfit, I remember. Uh, it was like a, a, what do you call it? Just a a, a onesie, I guess. Whatever. I don't know what else you would call it, really. Yeah. It looks like a Halloween costume. Uh, but he was very serious about all this. I mean, he said that he claimed that he was in an accident that had killed his wife and kid. Yeah. He survived. Yeah. And he used his, uh, his, his incredible mental powers to bring himself back from, you know, the brink of death and decided he was going to... Just live life on the edge. That do, was his story. Do you want to know the real story? Oh, do Should I? Pull the curtain back just for a second? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the real story is that the human fly as a character, as a concept, had been created and bankrolled by these two Canadian brothers who wanted to uh, diversify from their families, their family business, which was literally making sausage. They were called the Ramasieris. <laughs> and it turned out that there had always been more than one human fly. That's why there was a mask. There were different dudes doing these stunts. Oh, no kidding. But one of them was a guy named Rick Rojat, and he said, you know, I'm not happy just being a part-time actor playing this dude. I want a little more uh, recognition, right? So he told a reporter his real identity. And then that's why the fly had one famous last stunt which is that rocket bike mm -hmm. and because the thrust was so much more powerful than something they encountered before because the ramp wasn't set up right the bike actually went way higher than it should have and then it stalled when he let off the throttle the rear end drops uh, the back is it almost goes completely backwards it hits the landing ramp and it crashes down on the fly and then they say that now uh they, anyway, they look back again behind the curtain and say, well, this accident is the perfect time for us to kill off this character. Now, okay, he was he was made into a comic book character. Yes, yeah. It looks like him. It looks like him with the the, the, the red outfit and everything. It's, he's a Marvel comic book character yes. of the day. Yeah, yeah. And he had a similar backstory to this guy. He was, he was completely inspired by this guy, the superhero was. So it's a fascinating story. And I should say this, too. You know, we said he was on top of jets. We're saying, we're talking... Like four engine DC eight, 
He's on top of that, and he's flying through the desert at super low altitude. This is the one pilot of the cr- was pretty ex- daredevil too. Extremely skilled, extremely skilled, right? And the, the FAA didn't want him to do it, obviously. But there's a whole story around that as well. You know, he flew in front of an audience to do this. 253 miles per hour is the is the uh, speed that he was traveling when he was on top of that thing. They claimed that he could go over 300, but they had some trouble at one point, I know. that One one thing that happened, of course, he's in full leather, you know, to protect him from, you know, whatever might hit him while he's up there, supposedly. <laughs> but uh, one time they were, I think this was in Dallas, they did it two or three, I think it was three times, they did three flights with him on top there. Mm-hmm. And the third time, they said they encountered a little bit of rain when they were landing. And... The pilot, I've heard say, because he, there's interviews with this pilot you can watch. You can even watch film of them doing this this flyby that looks like the plane is 10 feet off the ground. It's probably 20 feet, but it's that low. It's really low. So he goes by, and um, they're landing, rather, as they come, uh, they're approaching. And uh, the pilot said, you know, there's a little bit of rain, but it was like that kind of rain where they're really big drops. You know, just a few drops, but they're big drops. And he said they were smacking the windshield of the plane. And he said they were so loud, you know, they were just deafening inside the cockpit. And he realized at that moment, like, oh, no, he's he's out there. You know, he's in this. And he's getting hit with these things, these raindrops. And if you've ever been on a roller coaster in the rain, you know what that feels like. It's, right. It's unpleasant. Right, right. Very unpleasant. So this guy's going 253 miles an hour potentially, you know, maybe a little less because they're landing. Uh, but he could barely walk when he got off the, uh, off the top of the plane. They had to help him off. And even with the leather protection and everything, he said it, it just bruised his whole body, really damaged him. It was, uh, it was bad news for him, mm-hmm. for the, for the human fly. Yeah. Uh, but, but he encountered a lot of injuries like that, you know, some stuff that were just incidental to what he was doing, obviously. But uh, now that I know that there were many human flies, maybe, um, maybe that's a, it had a little more, um, uh, I guess recovery time than I thought he did. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's a it's a fascinating story, and what a, a crazy character to look at, and and you know to watch these uh, these interviews where he goes into it just you know really uh, deadpan, really straight on. You know, I'm 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 better than evil can evil. I can do this. I you know I, I've got this. Uh, watch yeah. watch what I can do. Canadians are uh, by the way. It's very national. <laughs> he's very nationalistic about it. He's like, yes. He's like, I'm going to show the world that Canadians are the best. And you know, there's nothing wrong with this. He's just promoting you know, his own nation, nationality. But he's like, he's super into the idea that, you know, Montreal, uh, people from Montreal specifically are the best Canadians. And, uh, and <laughs> right. I'm going to show you how tough we are. Right, right, it's right. A, a cool story. For the, for the Quebecois and the Yankee alike. Yeah, That's a good yeah story. just I wonder if there could be, if, if there could be a character like that today. I mean, is there anybody that could be like that? Like, I've heard again, Evil Knievel. He's, I've heard him described as like Elvis on a motorcycle doing doing stunts. He was like that type of character, that eccentric, mm-hmm. um, you know. The, again, full showman. Is there anybody out there that's still quite to that level? There could be. Uh, I think the idea of the secret identity stuff is is pretty interesting. It'd be hard to pull off in the age of the internet, but uh, it would be a, it would be a lot of fun. Hey, maybe it'll be you. Mm. Uh, either either you, Scott, uh, you, Kurt, or you listening wh- along with us today. What's your stunt? You know, one th- one thing, uh, watching that documentary of, of Evil Knievel's jumps, you know, he comes up to Frank Gifford at one point and says, you know, I'm getting up there in age. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 34 years old. I don't know if I can do this much longer. It's uh, it's really taking its toll on my body. And you're thinking, 
you're 34 years old, you know, it's, it's hard to believe. It's already nearly time for him to retire because yeah. of the punishment that he's received, you know, over the, the decades that he's done it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. He had a little helper, too. You know, that cane that I was talking about? Yeah. Look into what he carried in that cane. Is it a sword? No. Oh. It's booze. Oh. Whiskey. He had, uh, and he, he revealed it on, uh, on I think, the Carson show, the Johnny Carson show, show and back in 1974. Uh, he made an appearance, and they were asking him about his cane, which he had with him. And he, he unscrewed the top, and he pulled out a glass vial that had a plastic top on it, and he handed it over to Ed McMahon, because he knew Ed McMahon was a drinker. So he handed over the whiskey over to yeah. Ed McMahon, and they screwed the top back on, and that's how everybody knew what was in there. Wow. And, he, and there, there's space for three vials in that cane. There's a there's a point where you can see where you can unscrew the top, and there's three vials. look like test tubes, almost, that fit down into it. Wow. And so they said that, it, you know, he would have to have that to kind of calm his nerves beforehand and to kind of dull some of the pain that he would knew he was going to endure. That's insane. Before each jump. So he, if you see him with that cane, you know what's in there. That's but, you know, insane. partially, it was also, you know, partially because he needed it to walk a little bit, you know, at some point. How would you pick, how, if you had the opportunity to realistically take a cane along with you, how would you pick whiskey over a sword when you're putting something in there? <laughs> I have a cane sword. It's cool. I would go with the uh, the Joker option, which has, you know, like the uh, the, the gas. The, the poison uh, gas. Yeah, the poison gas. With it. It's purple. It's always purple, right? So you yeah. can see it. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a little... Uh, you know, or was it, it the penguin? Did the I, penguin I, had the umbrellas, not the cane. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm terrible at this, but that was, uh, I'm talking about the old Batman version. But well, I, you're mainly, when it comes to comic books and superheroes, you're mainly a, a human fly kind of dude, right? <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah of course. I, I don't know, like, this is the other thing, too. You see, like we mentioned on YouTube, you can see so many people making these, accomplishing, I would say successfully, these amazing uh, death-defying feats. We had talked before off-air about some of the crazy stuff that you'll see uh, guys getting into in the Middle East. You know, they're out in the middle of the desert, ghost-riding the whip, or one guy like turns turns the car sideways such that it's just on two tires, and it looks like it's not really finding a lot of purchase on something. And then you see the, another, you see this dude pop out of the top of the car and, like, get on top of it. And do some little, you know, steering with uh, his foot. Have you seen the ones where they get out and they remove one of the tires and then put another tire back? They, they'll take the tire off that. of the vehicle that's, that's in the air. It's unbelievable. And they're on a, a road, by the way, that's, you know, looks like it's 10 lanes wide. And there's no one on the road. It's amazing. It's, I think I, it's, yeah, I, I think the point of it is that these things, these stunts are still happening. It's just like you said, Scott, oftentimes we're not seeing them live anymore we're going to YouTube, and it's like, look what this guy did in 2015. Here's the twist. He didn't die. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but it's after the fact. I yeah. want to know beforehand so I can watch this event happen live. I mean, that's some of the that's some of the thrill. That's some of the excitement for me is that I don't know what's going to happen here. And yeah. I know that it would be tragic if something ter- goes terribly wrong, but that's that's part of the, the thrill for the audience, right? The live audience sure. gets that. When you're watching it on YouTube, you already know what's going to happen. You already, you, I mean, it's already there in the description or sometimes. Or in the comments. Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, or you've heard about it, and that's why you're watching anyway. You know, either they made it, fantastic, or they didn't make it, that's terrible, but check out this wreck, and they lived through it, or they walked, you know, it's yeah. one of, it becomes a, and they walked away moment. Right. Which, well, those are cool, too, but, um, yeah, I just feel like, you know, there, there's just not that, uh, that the buildup and that excitement and that pageantry and that that uh, that showmanship and that uh, those bigger-than-life characters. You know, like, where's the... Uh, 
you know, where are the modern day evil Knievels? Where, where's, uh, where's the Pecos Bill of our time, right? Yeah. Of, of right now, Pecos Bill. I don't know why I said that. That's an old reference from, you know, what is that? Tall Tales, right? <laughs> That's Tall Tales. But, but someone who really uh, backs it up, who really does what they sure. say and, and, you know, um, I don't know. Just I, I, I'm just kind of missing some of that uh, that excitement, that tension. That, uh, that that's where the adrenaline comes for the rest of us. You, you know, know what? The, what other genre? This is unrelated to to the um, the stunts themselves, but uh, there's another genre that had something like this, and that was uh, illusionist or stage magicians. You know what I mean? People would tune in, and they were like, "Ah, oh, David Copperfield is going to make this." Statue disappear, everybody check it out. Are you, you know? peeking in my notes? Because no. I, I scratched that out. That, no, uh, I'm not. No. Yeah, I, I, I was, thinking, I was like, thinking like that. Yeah, yeah, I was too. That that was there was some of that uh, some yeah. of that excitement around that, and there was the uh, the David Copperfield, and uh, who was the other one? There was another magician that was kind of in it at the same time. Uh, not David Blaine. That's no, a different David guy. Blaine is a different guy. But there was another one. Siegfried and Roy? Uh, they were there too, but they were on their they were doing their own thing. Okay, they were with the, with the Tigers, right? Yeah. Um, Incredible in their own way. Who's the other one? There was another uh, Doug Henning. Oh wow, Doug Henning. Now Doug Henning was another magician who uh, they you know the joke is that uh, David Copperfield made him disappear, but uh, <laughs> but he did like some Chrysler commercial. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Kurt. I appreciate that. Ben, he didn't laugh at all. I'm a very um, unsupportive he- <laughs> friend. <laughs> no, they, but he did. Uh, I think he ended up doing like some you know Chrysler minivan commercials, and that was about all you heard of him after that. You know, they they were their work. They were kind of in a back and forth primetime battle, and it was very, uh, very showy. It was very, um, you know, um, God, I keep coming to that back, back to that word, flamboyant. I'm looking for a different word, but I'll get, I'll get it. It, it just, had, there was a lot of pageantry to it, and, and they definitely had a great stage presence, and, uh, and that's what made you watch them, right? I mean, it was something that was different, unique, and you know you're going to be in for uh, something spectacular in the end. But uh, anyways, I'd, I'd love to hear uh, some listeners write in with, you know, their favorite stunt person of the day and, you know, what that feat might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, some you know world records that they want to see broken soon, or you know yeah. haven't seen broken in a long time, or you know that someone should go after because it's been hanging out there for ten, twenty years. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting too. So uh, whatever you've got, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, you can let us know on Facebook. You can let us know on Instagram. You can let us know on Twitter. You can also find every episode we've ever done, including our Evil Knievel piece, uh, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Uh, just search Car Stuff Evil Knievel. You'll run into not one, but several episodes. There are tons of other directions this can lead to, but I think one of the biggest takeaways for anybody who misses Death Defying Stunts is that you can see a ton of amazing things now, just maybe not live. Yeah, and what's great about this, too, is you can watch them over and over and over again and share them with your friends. <laughs> I can send you an email right now, Ben, with a link to 30 of my favorite stunts. I'll do that. Please not, do. Not to fill up your inbox. Right? I'm going to send them one at a time. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's you're, perfect. You're welcome. Thanks, man. Make sure uh, I'll make sure that I'm on a motorcycle when I read them. <laughs> it sounds safe. Car Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. 
From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at viking.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.